Today on the Sark Fighter podcast, we'll meet Frank Rivera, who, in my opinion, has battled sarcoidosis as much or more than any other person on the planet. He shouldn't even be here on this earth anymore, but he has found a way to persevere. And my interview with Frank is coming up. The Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research is the nation's leading nonprofit organization dedicated to finding the cure for this disease and to improving care for sarcoidosis patients worldwide. Since its establishment in 2000, FSR has fostered over $5 million in sarcoidosis-specific research efforts and has provided disease education and support for thousands of individuals navigating life with sarcoidosis. Learn more about FSR and how they're supporting those impacted by this disease at www.stopsarcoidosis.org. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hi, and welcome to the Sark Fighter Podcast. My name is John Carlin. I go by the Sark Fighter here on the internet. I am a sarcoidosis patient, and I am trying to tell the world about sarcoidosis, not just my battle. In fact, mostly not even my battle, but the battle of everybody and medical science and the issues that are facing everybody who are dealing with sarcoidosis. This is episode three, and it is Sark's story, number two, Frank Rivera. Number one was my story. That's in episode one. And I'm recording this on February 26th, 2020. Before I get into Frank's story today, I want to give you a little bit of a Sark fighter update. I went to Chevy Chase, Maryland for advocate training this immediate past weekend, and that was my first real touch with the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research in person. I had a lot of communication on the phone and via email and uh, had, had been working with the folks there in various capacities. But this was the first time that I had gone out and, and met the people who, who run the organization. And in particular, on this trip, I met Mindy Buchanan, who is the patient engagement manager for the foundation at the headquarters in Chicago. Uh, we also had a video Q&A with the organization's co-founder, Andrea Wilson, who founded the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research with her husband 20 years ago. Uh, the interim director of the organization is Lisa Detlin. She came in person and we met with her. And I'll have pictures. Uh, I had a, I took a photo with Lisa, and I also took a photo as Andrea was talking to us. She was in California, but joined us on a Zoom conference call, and that worked very well. And she took a lot of, a lot of questions, even some tough, tough questions from uh, some of the uh, advocates who were there in the room. Uh, so all of this uh, will be on the Sark Fighter Facebook page, the Instagram account. And, uh, and so forth. So, uh, But the most important thing for me, really, at this event was meeting my fellow sarcoidosis patients. In fact, I recorded six interviews for future podcasts while I was there. I heard some, uh, literally some amazing stories. It blew my mind. One person uh, said that she was sent home to die, but she's still with us. Uh, they had her down. They thought she needed a lung transplant. And the insurance company wouldn't approve it. 
That'll be uh, that'll be a, a story that's coming up. She did. She has lost vision in one eye, uh, and uh, it's it's quite a story. Uh, but and then of course Frank, who was uh, whose interview is coming up today, but he was uh, given two months to live, and that was two years ago. Uh, and somehow he's found a way to fight through it, and he's not just. He's not just surviving; he's he's thriving, uh, and we'll and you'll hear about that in the interview coming up in just a little bit. But some of these people have uh, they have paid caregivers. They uh, almost all of them started out like me with a misdiagnosis. It seems like that's the the starting point for everybody with sarcoidosis. Does that does that sound familiar to you? Uh, these folks have had frustrations with doctors. Does that sound? familiar. They've had troubles with medications. Yeah, we can all pretty much all check that box. Uh, and I'm guessing, you know, if you're listening to this, that's probably the reason why. And that's why I wanted to to reach out and talk to people because it's, uh, it's clearly a situation where uh, we're all going through this. And maybe if we can hear other people's trials and tribulations, we won't feel so alone with all of it. Uh, you know, but uh, what's what's great about all these people that I interviewed and all these people were in the seminars with me is that uh, they're a lot of them are doing fundraisers. They are working as hard as they can to either raise money or raise awareness. In most cases, both for sarcoidosis. Uh, they are doing walks. They're doing billboards. Uh, there was even one in Times Square, New York City. Uh, and the other thing I heard was, especially from people who've had sarcoidosis for a long time, is that it's so much better today than it was 10 or 15 or 20 years ago when nobody knew about it, including the medical community. Doctors knew almost nothing about sarcoidosis, or if they did, there was the ones who, who did were few and far between, so it was really hard to find a doctor. So we know things are improving, but we also know that, that we have a long way to go. Another big takeaway for me is that really um, my story is a mild one in comparison to those who were there. You know, I don't, I don't have the life that I once had, but I'm able to do much more than a lot of these people, and, uh, and they're still at it. And a lot of people said, you, you mean you're still working? And I said, yeah, I'm still working. I, I teach a college course. I'm, I'm going back and forth. I ride my bicycle. Uh, and, and people will look at me like, wow, um, you know, none, they're just not able to do that. Um, and I, and I hope that my doctors and, uh, the medicines that I'm taking will make it so I can keep doing what I'm doing. I, I you know, I don't want to, I don't want this, uh, disease to continue to progress and who knows where you are. One of the things that we heard from the folks at the foundation is they call sarcoidosis a snowflake disease. And I, you know, I think that's important to remember that and because no two snowflakes are alike and sarcoidosis uh, has a unique impact on each of us. So uh, the way it affects me is different than the way it affects Frank, the way it affects the other people that I interviewed, but it still has that effect. It still changes your life and you still have that struggle and that battle, that fight. That's why we call this the Sark Fighter podcast. So uh, as I've already said, and this is something that I've heard over and over, that, uh, and I heard it from all these people, 
at this conference is that there are so many sarcoidosis patients who feel like they're suffering alone. They're suffering in silence. People don't understand. They don't get it. People look at you and say, you don't look sick. And I want to say, yeah, uh, that's it. And I heard that again. I heard that from all these people at, at, in Chevy Chase this past weekend. So um, I want to tell as many people's stories as I can here on the podcast. Now, when I first arrived, uh, I was I actually arrived overnight, but when I first got there for breakfast, there was a guy and his wife, and they were wearing purple sweatshirts, and it said something about sarcoidosis on the back. And so we're all kind of walking into breakfast, and, and this guy's walking with a cane. His, his wife was walking with a cane. Um, and just my overall impression is, you know, here's... You know, here's a guy uh, who, you know, who doesn't look well, and and that's the very first patient that I'm seeing. So we've got our trays, and we're going through line. They're giving us the bacon and eggs and so forth. And and the guy turns to me, and he introduces himself as Frank Rivera and says, this is my wife, Diana. And, you know, I'm pleased to meet you. Uh, I've been working with the group for a long time, and uh, we're glad to see you here. They, they didn't know who I was. They just knew that I was was a new face. Uh, they didn't know anything about the podcast or, you know, to my knowledge or, or if I had sarcoidosis or, you know, what my deal was, but I was clearly there with the group. And so they invited me to sit down with them, and I did. And I got to tell you, by the end of breakfast, my jaw was on the table after listening to the story from Frank Rivera of Long Island, New York. So here's my interview with Frank. Thanks again for joining us today. We're talking with Frank Rivera, and Frank is a sarcoidosis patient. Uh, He's also a sarcoidosis advocate, and I'll talk a little bit more about the advocate role as we move along. But Frank, uh, first of all, thank you for joining the Sark Fighter podcast today. Thank you for having me. Sure. you were diagnosed incorrectly back in the early 2000s uh, with yes. something else, but you think you have you have had sarcoidosis, you believe, since 2004? Yes, 2004. I was mis- misdiagnosed with lung cancer. I went through four years of chemo and radiation for no reason. Wow. So, and then how did you figure out you had sarcoidosis? Well, uh, the second time was by accident. I moved up back up from Florida to New York, and I have IBS. So with IBS, I had problems with my stomach, and they did an X-ray. Um, I went to an emergency room, and they um, found in the X-ray because I got the bottom lobes, and they said I had um, spots on my lungs again. So they were like, "You need to go see a cancer specialist, oncologist." And so at that point, they're still thinking cancer. Yes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, when do they reverse course or about face and say, ooh, it's sarcoidosis? They ended up doing a biopsy. Um, In January is when they found um, the spots again of 2011. And April is actually when I got the biopsy. And right away, he said it was was sarcoidosis. Or as he said, at least it's not cancer. So maybe you were relieved at that point. Yes, actually I was because my wife, her brother actually has sarcoidosis and he got it in 1990 and I think he's had maybe one flare-up, if that. (laughs) I think he had one major flare-up since. Yeah. 
I went through the same thing. I, they thought I had cancer and did a biopsy, and lo and behold, it's, it was sarcoidosis also. As my, if my listeners have listened to uh, the episode one where I kind of talked about my situation. But I want to go back to yours because um, I don't know that I've ever heard of a worse situation than <laughs> what you have. Tell me where you have it in your body. I have it in ninety percent of my body. Like I, I always say, it's easier for me to say where I don't have it, and it's my liver and my kidneys. Everywhere else of my body, I have sarcoidosis. What does that mean? Uh, well, for me, it's I have it literally from head to toe, um, and my eyes. It's, it's almost ruined my vision. Um, my bones. I have it inside my bones. I have it arthritis i have it neurologically so it, it's all over it's so painful to have it where i have it so you you feel a good deal of pain with it yeah actually i always say on you know i have the scale of one to ten i'm always living normal pain is a seven for me every day and where do you feel that pain uh, most of the time it's in my bones or arthritis wise that's the real pain for me uh, but when it's neurological, oh, sorry, neurological, it could be, you know, I get the headaches and <laughs> yeah, I know that. Know one. One. <laughs> I, I, that's the one that I know for sure. Um, how have they tried to control this for you? We've tried almost every type of medicine that you could <laughs> name. I mean, I've done the all IV, IGs, aromacades, methotrexates, you name it. I probably have tried it. Um, they actually told me that. They didn't have that many more drugs for me at this point. You got a really severe diagnosis a couple of years ago. Tell our listeners about that. Yeah. Um, well, two years ago, I I have Parkinson's also. So Parkinson's and um, sarcoidosis, as my doctor says, is t they're fighting for turf over my brain. So I was losing. I was memory problems. I was having. Um, dizzy spells i actually passed out um and then of course oxygen level to my brain was actually um very compromised I, at one point i was as low as like 40 i think it was 42 percent on oxygen of the brain but you were telling our group here earlier <laughs> and for those of you listening uh, frank and i are uh, are both advocates for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. I'm a newbie. This is my very first meeting. He's one of the original guys, uh, and we were talking in a, in a group session earlier. Um, but you said that you didn't even expect to be alive right now. Yeah, actually, two years ago, April will be. Yeah, two years April. Um, they told me I had a couple of months to live because um, the, the oxygen just wasn't getting to my brain, and the vessels that I have, they were closing up the vessels go into the brain, but they couldn't do surgery because my white blood cell count is extremely high. I mean, normal high is 5,000. Well, mine's at 30,000, which mm. is like, um, I mean, most of my doctors are like, that's unheard of. <laughs> right. So they won't do any surgery because if they open me up, my white blood cell count's going to get even crazier, which may cause even more problems with the organs that aren't, <laughs> aren't affected at this point. Right. Now, I've told the listeners to the Sark Fighter podcast that I'm active, I'm, I'm a runner, 
and how sad it is for me because I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm making fun of myself right now because I can't do what I used to like to be able to do. I was a recreational runner. Yeah, I ran some marathons, and you know I was okay for a for a mid pack guy. Mm-hmm. You used to be a runner, and you were really good. Yeah, I um, all through high school actually was on the varsity team in eighth grade. Um, from there on up. I, well, went to college, got a scholarship for college for running. I actually broke four minutes in the mile. I ran a 358 mile, and I did do one marathon, and I've, it was a 2.30 and a couple of seconds. So, and that's the first and last one I've done. <laughs> but that's, that's just off world class. Yeah, it's right outside. Uh, it's, I mean, it's just, I mean, and at the time, I mean, marathon times have come down, yeah. but I don't know when you ran that. That was early 90s. Early 91. 90s. So, you know, back then, the marathon world record would have been somewhere around 210, yeah, 211. Yeah, around there, yeah. And so you're, I mean, you're right behind the Kenyans. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, in my Division Two, I found out that um, I came in third place in my um, cross-country championships, and uh, two guys who beat me were Kenyans who actually ended up winning gold medals in 92 for two events. So, so how do you live with going from the guy, you know, the healthy guy, the fastest guy, the, the, the one who's got it all, to where you are now. How do you cope with that? Well, actually, I think the running actually helped me. Um, I'm very, because I actually, when I was running, I actually broke my ankle and I actually still ran with it. <laughs> I just had that mentality and I kept it. And my, and I got it from my mother, actually. I always say that, that strength. She showed us strength because she was always sick. Um, and we never knew, we wouldn't see, know it unless you saw her, um, you know, saw her get sick. So I really got that mentality. And um, you, you have two choices. I always say this. You have two choices. Either you're going to roll up into a ball and, and let it take its course or, you know, take over your body or you fight. And I'm, gonna, I'm a fighter. And I've always have been, and I always will be. And that is, that's that's me too. <laughs> yeah. All right. I mean, I, I the same mentality. Mm-hmm. And what frustrates me, and I'm curious about your thoughts on this. What frustrates me is that there is no amount of due diligence that I can do to fix my situation. Yeah, I, you know, totally I can't agree with work that. hard enough. I can't study hard enough. I can't exercise more. I can't eat better. I mean, when I would injure myself mm-hmm. running or doing sports or whatever, I played b- basketball for a while, you could rehab your knee, yeah, exactly. right? You could fix your broken ankle. Yes. So how do you deal with that frustration? Well, I always, like, I always say it's the new me. Um, I face this as another challenge of life. And what I don't think about what I could do, what I was able to do. I think about what I'm, what can I do now? Um, what kind of challenge can I take on now? It may not be, uh, you know, running a marathon, but it may be doing my advocacy. Um, that really has ch- I almost, I say, saved my life because I'm on disability. And I was, when you sit home and do nothing, <laughs> that's when everything, you know, everything bad happens. To that's me. that's harder for yeah, you for, sitting yeah. home I doing nothing. I can't do that, so not, that's why I, <laughs> I do my advocacy as much as possible. Netflix all day, that uh, that's not good enough for you? Nah, no? I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, yeah, I can do it for a couple hours at a time or not. Mm -hmm. And I want to get into your advocacy a little bit because it's significant. But you've written a book called Walking in Silent Pain. And it's only out, just it's just recently been published, yes, on right? on the 12th of February, yes. Oh, so just published. What <laughs> yeah. is it today? The 22nd, so 10 yeah. days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we're, we're, I'm talking to you on, uh, on February 22nd, the year 2020, if you're listening to back episodes of this podcast. Why do you call it Walking in Silent Pain? I mean, it's not just about the sarcoidosis being invisible, because it is an invisible disease, but this is about my life from being a child to, um, to now. Um, I actually, when I was five, I had leukemia. Um, I missed four years of school. Um, so there was always challenges in my life. So, and it's not just physical challenges. There are also emotional challenges. And a lot of that isn't seen. A lot, and a lot of times I always, like in the book, I say, I quote, tears of a clown, the song. Because I'm always smiling on the outside. Everybody always sees me smiling. But if they knew like how much pain I was in, mm -hmm. they wouldn't be smiling. <laughs> I know that song, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're probably a baby boomer just like me. <laughs> uh, so uh, what will people see if they, if they read the book? How will that either help them understand somebody with sarcoidosis uh, or if they have sarcoidosis, how will that help them understand and comprehend what they're up against? Well, I, for me, it just a sh the book is really about strength and how you can face adversity and, you know, overcome it. Um, you know, like I said, two years ago, I was, you know, deemed terminal. Um, I've, my mother always said, you never had a, um, a toe tag on you or an expiration date. So <laughs> when the doctor said that to me, I was like, well, that's your opinion. And I knew that I just felt like I wouldn't. I mean, granted, in the beginning, when I I did, I mean, I went through a whole grieving stage and you, everything. You must like, have, yeah. sure. But after a while, I'm like, you know what? I'm not ready. I'm. I thought I was, but I was not. I realized I'm not ready. I have too much to do, <laughs> and I have my wife. I have my daughter. She's 17, so you know, I want to see her go to the prom. I want to see her go, you know, get married. So I just plan on being there. <laughs> yeah, well, good, good for you. I've got, uh, I've got grand twins on the way soon, and that's, mm -hmm. that's one of the things that just tells me I've got to get up and I've got to go to work, and I, you know, I've just got to do whatever I can to, uh, to make my body strong enough to try and fight this. And uh, don't and, get me wrong yeah. about one thing: is I'm not always strong, and that's another reason why it's the walking in silent pain because the, men the mental aspect of I see a counselor once a week, and she saved my life, literally saved my life, because I called her up and told her I was going to commit suicide in 2015. Um, I went to a 72-hour watch. Um, without that and my wife and my daughter, I don't know if I would be here. So, wow. Yeah, so. Wow. So that's why I work on the mentality part of it just as much as I work on the physical part. 2015, I'm curious because there are certain drugs that we take for sarcoidosis mm -hmm. that can cause those suicidal tendencies, aside from just feeling like it's hopeless. Were you on any particular drug that you might um, attribute that to at that no, time? No, actually, it was me being told that I there wasn't any other drugs and that you're just going to have to deal with your pain is basically what doctors were saying to me at the point. Hmm. So. 
So when um, when they told you that you had two months to live, mm -hmm. and then it's been two months and one day, and you wake up in the morning and you're still here, did you have like a, a, a party? Did you have a big <laughs> breakfast that morning? Well, I, <laughs> or actually, you do? the one I celebrated the most was the one year. Uh huh. I um, it wasn't like it was more my own celebration for me. I you know I just wanted. I, it made me feel so happy just to know that, like I, I always say now, I take everything, every day is, an, is a blessing, of course. Um, but it, I didn't have to party or anything. It was just one of those days where I was like, wow, a year ago, that was it, you know? They told me I was gone, you know? And then, so I just had, you know, just myself. It was a self-satisfying. And, and here you are still. <laughs> yes, exactly. And Two years, April 6th. April 6th was when I was told. Wow. Okay. So that this coming April will be two years, yes. or that'll be three that'll years? That'll be, be, yeah, two, yeah. two years. That'll be two okay. years. Two right? years. Okay. Yeah. So you, you walk with a cane now. Yes. So here's this guy that ran a sub-four-minute mile, mm -hmm. which um, is amazing. Thank you. I mean, just <laughs> just uh, uh, amazing as a, as a runner who... Uh, understands how difficult that is. Uh, I'm just in awe of that. But you you walk with a cane. Uh, you do have the Parkinson's, mm -hmm. but you are, uh, you're getting around every day, right? I, yes. I mean, you really are able to, to live a relatively normal yeah, life? Yeah, I, I don't drive anymore. You don't? No, okay. because I was having the shakes even before I was actually diagnosed with the Parkinson's, so we always, and plus with my eye problems that I was having, I didn't want to, God forbid, you know, I'm more worried about hit, hitting somebody else than I was myself. So I, you know, it was just to me a better choice. Right. So your wife it. does the driving now. Yeah, it's my wife, yeah. and her family has been great for me. <laughs> yeah. She's and and folks, she's sitting here at the table with us. But and I asked her if she wanted to be involved <laughs> and talk about the caregiver role, and she said, "No, I can't talk on microphone." <laughs> we just did this play acting in our session, and she was like the best. So. Uh, but uh, but Diana doesn't want to talk, so that's okay. She's a great. I mean, she's with me for everything, and she married me knowing I had sarcoidosis. Wow! So that in itself is amazing. Um, and sec and I had surgery before we even had got married. One of my my very first surgery was before we got married. And so, you've had multiple surgeries. Yeah, I've had eight eight surgeries. surgeries yeah, mostly an abdomen and. I've had three hernia surgeries. I had a hole in my colon. I had the colostomy bag, and then it changed, you know, reversal. Yeah. So. And and all of that related either to sarcoidosis yeah. or the treatment or the for side effects. Or yeah. The side effects from the mm -hmm. medicines, which I've talked about chapter and verse. What's the, have you been on prednisone? Yeah, I'm not on it anymore. Actually, uh -huh. uh, my doctor is trying to keep me off of it from now on, um, because I I unfortunately. I was on 40, 40 milligrams or more for two years straight, and that has just, the side effects of that really caused a lot of problems. So now they, if I go on it, it's five milligrams or no more than ten. Yeah, I was on eighty milligrams yeah. for months, and uh, you did not want to be around me. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, so, and I don't, know, I don't know how you were, but um, <laughs> we're going to do a whole podcast just on prednisone. Oh yeah. Uh, and some of the people here with the foundation said, "Oh, we've got a doctor, and he's got a great talk about <laughs> prednisone." Uh, I can't say enough bad things about prednisone. Yes. Um, 
but uh, but we're we're going to uh, continue to talk, folks. We're talking with Frank uh, Rivera from Long Island, New York, uh, and he is discussing his uh, severe severe case of uh, of sarcoidosis. So, Frank, you have started uh, a walk or a run? I've um, I'm actually on my sixth walk. Okay. Um, I did three five k runs. Um, but I found out that the walks are actually more profitable. <laughs> really? Yeah, okay. Because you have to pay for the timer, for right. the runner. Right. And sit and walk, you just, they walk whatever pace they want to do. Right. And our walk is more of an event. It's not just the walk itself. Um, because we do raffles. We have, like this year, we're having um, my daughter's in School of Rock. The School of Rock band is going to play. You know, so I like... Um, I like people just to come and learn, to raise awareness. They don't have to do the walk. If they want to just come and listen to what we have to say, that means a lot to us. You know, mm-hmm. we want to be heard. You know, and I want people to know that it is, you know, even though it is a rare disease per se, there are a lot more people out there than you actually know. So I'm going to ask you more about that in just a minute because we've talked about the potential effect from 9-11 yes. on sarcoidosis, uh, the increase in sarcoidosis in, in terms of people who were exposed to all that dust. But uh, before we finish talking about your walk, how many people would you have for a, uh, for a turnout? walk, we've had averages around 200 or so. Yeah, 200 people. That's but great. We, ha- we moved it to Stony Brook University in Long Island, and they're actually trying to push our, push for a thousand people, which would be like, oh my God, <laughs> that that would be incredible. Yeah. And what can you share your fundraising dollar oh, amounts? Well, um, what we're gonna do is actually part of the proceeds are gonna. Uh, going to go to FSR, the Foundation mm-hmm. for Sarcoidosis Research, and then the other part of the proceeds are actually going to the 9-11 World Trade Center wellness program that Stony Brook just started last year. All right. Now, I had, because we talk about the cause of sarcoidosis, mm-hmm. and, and doctors talk about how they don't know what causes mm-hmm. it. And some people think it's hereditary, and some people think it's in your DNA, yeah. and some people think it's something that you inhale. Mm. Well, they know, like, I know that they know what accelerates it because you have to have it in your body. Otherwise, everybody would be getting it. Like at 9-11, not everybody is getting sarcoidosis there, and they all dealt with the heavy dust. So I feel you have to have something genetic in your body. But you told me at breakfast this morning that the, but a huge amount of people, proportion, you know, in terms yeah. of percentages of yeah. the population, uh, who were involved uh, in 9-11 in one way or another or who were close to that dust. Yes have sarcoidosis um, actually right now um, the main hospital right now is Mount Sinai that deals with the 9-11 first responders which is in Manhattan Um, they jumped up from in 2001 they had 1500 patients and now they have over 20,000 patients and they get 80 new patients a month with sarcoidosis? Yes, just all sarcoidosis is it, patients. Is it all lung patients? Um, not all, but they get, you know, the, the majority of which, yeah. yeah. Emo- right. 90% are lung. Right. But that's that's kind of consistent yes. with the with what how sarcoidosis hits the general population. Yes, exactly. Uh, most of them are lung folks, and then we've got people like you who have it everywhere, and people like me who have it just on their nervous <laughs> system Yeah. Um, that I know of. 
for me, the chemo and radiation that I did get for the cancer, the chemo actually helped the masses not grow, but it also excited my white blood cell count, which excited the sarcoidosis. So by the time 2011, I was already had I already had it in 75% of my body. By the time I got diagnosed. So, in addition to the pain that you have every day, do you have uh, you know digestive issues? Oh yeah, or, I have yeah. really bad. Di- um, there's a lot of foods I can't eat now. I never had di- diverticulosis, but now I do. Um, like I said, the gallbladder I had that removed. Um, I had a, a foot of my colon removed. Um, so yeah, it's it affected me digestively. It's it's really hard because I mean. You want to eat, <laughs> and every time I eat, I, I, you know, it's a lot of stuff I can't eat anymore. What do you tell people when they ask you what you have? Mm, what is the easiest way? I just tell them that the easiest way to describe it, I say, is we have overactive cells that clump up together, form masses throughout the body, and literally from head to toe, and it's a very painful disease. That's a very quick synopsis of way I t- because if you go into the granulomas and they're like what <laughs> and, and and has <laughs> anybody ever heard of sarcoidosis not many but you know what's weird in my area um I live in Suffolk County it's the county I live in um the Suffolk County legislature they the um the head of the legislator, he became a doc. His name is Dr. Spencer. He became a doctor because his mom had sarcoidosis. And then there's one lady who's also in the legislator. Her her mother-in-law died of sarcoidosis. And then there's a gentleman there who has sarcoidosis. Now, all three are legislators. I mean, what's the odds of that? <laughs> so you didn't have any trouble getting them to, to make April uh, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> Sarcoidosis Awareness Month in Suffolk County, yeah, that right? Yeah, that was the easiest one. <laughs> wow. And, but you do do those kinds of oh, things. Yeah. What, what other kind of outreach um, do you I, do? Well, what I did is I, when I first started, I went right to the government because I'm like, we need to get help, money funded. So um, I went right, I started low with the town, my town. Um, got proclamation from them and continue it with them. Um, then I went to my county, and now we have a state, which is also New York State is um, continuous. Um, so April is Sarcoidosis Awareness Month. Then I actually did go um, to my representative and to my s- senator, Senator Schumer and Representative Zeldin, but they actually did put, put it out to the floor but it was right when the whole oh, when 2016, um, so the whole uh, everything was getting changed. So nobody wanted to. Uh, unfortunately, our disease doesn't care if you're Republican or Democrat, but it still doesn't matter to them. Nobody, no Republican wanted to sign with Schumer, and no Democrat wanted because Zeldin's a Republican. Nobody wanted a co-sponsor, and it was so it. It got lost. Yeah, politics <laughs> yeah. is politics, and doesn't matter what the topic <laughs> exactly. is. Exactly. Oh, that stinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, good luck with uh, with getting <laughs> that through. But so you go to the local governments, you get the proclamations made, you do the run, you do the yeah. fundraising. You're wearing a shirt that says <laughs> Sarcoidosis Long Island. Is that a group that you started, Sarcoidosis yes, yeah, of Long not, Island? Yeah, I have a nonprofit organization. For 501c3? 501c3, yes. Really? Yes. And I, so you, you raise money, you put it in that, and you— Yeah, I, yeah. but what I—like I said, most of my money actually goes to Foundation Sarcoidosis Research. Right. Um, 
for me, it, we don't do huge events or stuff like that, but we try to, you know, my whole goal is really to raise the awareness, and especially with the government, um, the whole NIH funding us, we were getting, like she said, no money from the NIH. And I was like, how can that happen? How can right. you not get a penny? <laughs> so, you know, now they're working on getting more money. And the NIH, I actually sat down with the, the head of the NIH. He actually now just, um, he left. And there's a new, somebody in charge now. But, yeah, we, I sat you down got with to, You got to sit down with him? Oh, yeah. Because I used to go also go oh, sorry, for rare diseases. Because... Uh -huh. um, a lot of the uh, laws that are being passed for rare disease have a lot of effect for sarcoidosis being a rare disease, and it, it would help us. So I, I started working with them, and it really, um, I got a lot of connections through that. And uh, I was spending, I don't know how much time down here <laughs> in D.C. I was, wow. Yeah, I was yeah. doing it like probably three times a year, four times a year I was down here. And you, so you're looking at the director of the NIH, and you say, I got sarcoidosis in 90% of my body. I want funding. Yeah, I mean, he, he's uh, I'm like, first thing I asked him was, how come you, we get no money? He's like, well, you need an animal model. I'm like, so how are we going to get an animal model if we don't know the cause? That's expensive, too. <laughs> yeah, it's right? expensive. It's a very expensive to do it. And it's also almost extremely impossible to do if you don't know the cause. You can't co give it you to can't, it. <laughs> you can't take a mouse and give it causation yeah, and then cure it exactly. or not cure it. Uh, so, um, you know, they yeah. worked around it. And now, as you can see, they're actually, you know, I think uh, most of it was registry, getting a certain amount of registry people and working on different types of animal models and stuff like that instead of. All right. So right now we are uh, talking to the sarcoidosis community at large with this yes. podcast. And so if somebody is listening, they've got some connection to what you and I are dealing with. What would be the best thing that people can do right now as a sarcoidosis circle person, somewhere in our space, as people like okay. to say now, uh, what is the best thing they can do to try and get awareness or funding or whatever? I mean, how, who do you tell? What do you do? Do you, do you shout it from the rooftops? Do you redistribute this podcast? Do you yeah, take I mean, pictures? What, yeah. do you, what do you do? Hashtag sarcoidosis? Yeah, um, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot, I know a lot of sarcoidosis patients can't leave the house and stuff like that, and I understand that. But even if you pick up your phone and call your local legislator and just let them know that you're there and that, you you know, they should care about you. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, to me, it's really important because the raising awareness in the government will help also with the research money because... If they put pressure on NIH to give money, then of course NIH will. Or if they give money to the NIH to, you know, and let them know, well, you know, you need to help this rare disease. Um, the other, there's simple things like you said, it's just sharing the podcast, um, sharing hashtags. I mean, there's so many little things that you can do just to raise the awareness. I mean, last year, one thing that we did is actually we got a billboard. Over at, at in Times, Times Square. Square. How yeah. did you do? I mean, you got a billboard in Times. I'm so happy I've got a podcast. <laughs> You're talking to the whole world with a billboard in Times Square. How well, did you get that? Done? Actually, they called me. Um, they called you. Yes, they called me and they said, um, February 29th of this year is Rare Disease Day. But you know, every other day, you know, with the, not a leap year, <laughs> is the 28th. 
So um, they were decided that the billboard company decided that they were going to do for rare disease patients, they were going to um, really drop the price for a billboard all day. It went from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, I had um, 30, between 30 and 40 um, times my, my ad would go up on the billboard for, right. three, for $300. So, $300 yeah. you can get on yeah. a billboard in Times Square. Mm-hmm. Yet I never know. I, I mean, I would never have thought that. I thought it would be like right? tens of thousands, right. you know? <laughs> uh, me too. And, you, and your foundation paid for that? Yeah, your, foundation your, paid your for it. 501c3? Yeah. yeah, and then we just, you know, and then what we did is we put people's faces Everybody that I could get in touch with had sarcoidosis. Just put up the face and put up a quote about how you feel about sarcoidosis. I wanted people to know that it was there, especially in New York City with every, with everybody from 9-11. And my big campaign is, you are not alone. Right. I, I always do my hashtag is, you are not alone. You're not alone. So, hashtag, you are not alone. Yes. All one word. Yep. <laughs> and um, I just want people to know that because that, when I... Got, when I finally got the diagnosis, I went online. The Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research had three people working in the building. <laughs> so even they couldn't help me that much at that point. At that point. Now yeah. they're up to, now, I think, 11. 11, 11. Yeah. yeah. So it, they've grown, which is great. They didn't have this advocacy program when I first found out about it. So um, it was. I didn't want anybody to feel like I did. Oh, I didn't want anybody to get... Um, misdiagnosed like I did. I mean, you get the misdiagnosis every once in a while, but the, the extra part that I went through, I don't want anybody to ever have to go through chemo or radiation. I was down to 98 pounds. Yeah, I went through chemo. I didn't yeah. do the radiation. And that was um, because that was the best way yeah. that my doctors, the Cleveland Clinic thought they could treat what I had at the time, mm-hmm. but that was no picnic. And yeah. so you're doing the radiation on top of yes. that. Oh, wow. And it was a it was an extreme cocktail that they gave me. They called it a cocktail. Uh-huh. Um, it was actually three different types of chemotherapy, all in one. You were puking your guts. Out. Oh yeah, I I wouldn't eat. There was days I, I wouldn't eat. I mean, I'm normally at that point I was around 130, and then I went down to 98 pounds. So wow, yeah, wow. I'd like to get to 130. Maybe I could run a yeah, four-minute no, mile. <laughs> well, not anymore because <laughs> I've got sarcoidosis and my legs don't go fast yeah, anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, that is something. So you have a, uh, a walk coming up this year? Yeah, April 18th. We have it at like, Stony Brook University. And um, we, like I said, usually I'll... I try to partner up with other organizations. Um, like I said, this time it's World Trade Center. I've either done that or actually sometimes I even pick a patient that I've seen that's had a hard time and I try to help them out that way mm-hmm. um, I'm not like I said I really try to advocate and I want to raise awareness and help as many people as I can our organization also takes phone calls of patients um, I've gotten a phone call from somebody in, in Australia <laughs> got a call really that, yeah and just says and, and I found him a doctor that's all I did is just find him a doctor well, you know, and that's I said I was going to ask you about yep. that, and I didn't, because I'm here learning to be an advocate. Mm-hmm. You've been an advocate for a long time now. What is the what is the role of an advocate, and how can someone with sarcoidosis take advantage of what you and I are doing? Um, we are here to really facilitate for the patients. That's one of our main goals. Is to, um, like I said, you're not alone. We want to, we want them to know that there is somebody there, because it is a very lonely disease. And it's 
not that many doctors you know will be able to handle and to find a doctor is even harder <laughs> right. so that that's true you know, yeah. finding finding one that really wants to treat sarcoidosis is mm-hmm. my own experience included it's difficult yeah i've been through 20 doctors at least <laughs> holy cow holy cow uh, yeah, just just last month i had to drop my um cardiologist <laughs> man so but you know you mentioned something about being alone and that was that's one something that i've mentioned in all of my podcasts so far when i went on tv and told people why I looked the way I did, which was because I was taking prednisone, mm-hmm. and, and viewers were emailing in and saying, what is wrong with you? You, yeah. you don't look like John Carlin anymore. Uh, and then I said, well, I, you know, I have sarcoidosis, and we did like a three-minute segment on mm-hmm. it, and uh, my co-anchor interviewed me. Uh, thank you, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then people started coming out of the woodwork I don't know anybody else who has it. Mm-hmm. I can't. I didn't know there was anybody else. Thank you for talking about sarcoidosis because, yeah. and so and you, without the benefit of being on television, are hearing and knowing the same thing. Yeah, that there's those people suffering alone. Yeah, it's a lot of people. It's, I mean, it's to me, it's like if I help one person a day, I you know it. My mission in life is, you know, is I always say one one person a day is what I'm looking to do. And if I, you know, if I can inspire, if I can help them find a doctor, um, it's one thing I haven't talked with you about is two years, in the last two years, um, I know of 80 patients, sarcoidosis patients who have passed, whether it be from sarcoidosis itself or a side effect of sarcoidosis. And out of those 80, 18 committed suicide. Really? Yeah. So, but so that's why I'm. I always push the mental part of it, and I opened. I started my own sarcoidosis online um, support group meet, uh, meetings online. So How, anybody throughout the United States and in Europe, anywhere in the world, can join. I'm listening right now. How do I find that? How do I join it? Okay. Um, you could go on my website, and there's a direct link to it. Um, What's your website? www.sarcidosisofli.org. And people go there and they and find you, a link. And oh, then yeah, they it's can right join. on the very first page. It'll talk to you. And it's first Tuesday and the third Thursday of every month. So we have two a month. And so when you join that, are you typing back and forth? Are you uh, uh, doing the, video conferencing? Can, or what um, are you doing? We, we can fit up to 151 webcams and then unlimited amount of phone calls. Wow. So you can call in if you don't want to be seen on a webcam and, you know, want to pretty much remain anonymous. Um, You could do it that way, too. So those 18 who committed suicide, do you think it's because they just had no one to talk to because they felt so hopeless? Yeah, that that and, of course, like I said, the pain is like for me, it was the pain that really, you know, brought me down. Um, And when you when you in that much pain and. There, you know there's no cure, so people are like, well, I'm just going to give up. And unfortunately, you know, there is that mentality. And seeing that's just people I know of. I couldn't even tell you, you know, I don't know everybody who has it, So, and I don't know everybody who died from sarcoidosis or a side effect. But that's way too many people. <laughs> yeah, and how much would you bet that there are a lot of people who have sarcoidosis and don't know it? Oh, a lot. Right, um, yes. right. Because the 9-11 first responders and survivors are just finding out now. They're just finding out now. And you're talking, that's almost 19 years now. It'll be 19 this year. 
you mm-hmm. know, and they're just finding out now that they're getting it. I've gotten calls probably, I got four just last year from 9-11 first responders that just found out. You said in the meeting earlier sarcoidosis had made you a better person. Yes, I really believe that. Why? Um, of course, not physically, <laughs> but mentally. Um, I'm a much stronger person than I ever thought I would be. Even though I was a runner, you may say, yeah, you're strong, you ran, but mentally I'm a lot stronger. I I've, have a, a goal now, too, and just a real, I always say, I'm here to help the people who can't speak for themselves. So I have that goal. I, my whole organization and myself, I don't do anything for me. Like, I'm, I would rather not be on in the front pages or whatever. I'd rather be in the background. In October 2016, I did a rare disease day over in Long Island. And I set the whole thing up. I did not speak once. <laughs> That's a, you should. You, <laughs> no, you are I did good not at speak this. Once. I just I I like I don't know. It took me a while. It took a lot of coaxing to get me out in front like this. <laughs> yeah. That's that's an odd sensation to me, the person who never never met a microphone or a camera <laughs> he didn't like uh, <laughs> or a podium. Um, but you know the thing that I love about you, Frank, you've got something to say. Yeah. You know you've got a story to tell and you're willing to tell it. Yeah. I mean I've learned that like I I did other I did a TV NBC nightly news. Um, they came to my house and did a three-hour thing, but it was, you know, the cost cut down to five minutes. But sure, <laughs> sure. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But they were the first thing they said to me is, "You need to get out there. People need to see the face of sarcoidosis." Is this word most people can't even say it, <laughs> and if they see a face that you know, yeah, he looks fine, but if you hear his story, you you know, people need to hear that story because otherwise they won't. They won't grab it. They won't understand it. So that's one of the main reasons why I did. I am coming out of my shell, I should say. <laughs> right. Anything else you want to add for uh, about sarcoidosis or for sarcoidosis patients? Well, I re- like I said, I really want you all to know you are not alone. Just because you may be in you know some area that you know that many people are in that area. You're still not alone. There are so there's over 200,000 people in the United States that have sarcoidosis, and probably many more that don't even know. So you're not alone. Don't be afraid. Contact me on my website. You can contact me there, and you know I I will help you. And if I can't, I will find somebody who will. I'm sure you will. And of course, there's always the foundation. Yes, as yeah, well. yeah. You can always contact the foundation because they will get in touch with us anyway. Right. And we're talking about the foundation for sarcoidosis research. And the book, again, is Walking in Silent Pain by Frank Rivera. It's available on Amazon. Yes. And, and on Kindle or uh, paperback. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Well, I'm going to get myself a signed autograph copy here before I leave the conference. <laughs> thank you. Frank Rivera, thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter podcast. 
You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Thanks to Frank for being willing to share his story with us. Uh, I feel like I could have talked to him for another hour. And, you know, it's it's brave for someone to stand up and shout from the rooftops and, and tell a national audience. And Frank's been on, on television. I believe he's been on national television uh, talking about uh, his battle with sarcoidosis and his walks and his run, and, and you heard him say that he's uh, he's written a book. Uh, I've got it right here in front of me. It's called Walking in Silent Pain. It's available on Amazon by Frank Rivera. Uh, I got him to autograph a copy for me, and I, I can't wait to dig in. Uh, his walk is coming up. Uh, it's going to be, it'll be at Stony Brook University this year, and it's on April 18th. There's a link in the show notes. And don't forget that April is Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, and this is the 20th anniversary year for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. We'll be talking about that a lot more on the podcast. I want to remind people that we have an event here in Southwest Virginia that I've put together with Carillion Clinic at the Grandin Theater on April 21st. It'll be starting in the late afternoon, I think about 5.30 at night. I may have said 7 o'clock on a previous podcast, but uh, uh, upon further review, I believe it's 5.30. More information uh, will be coming up on that, and also uh, our Facebook page will show the uh, the date and information, and also it'll be in the show notes with this podcast. And don't forget the Foundation has summit events that are coming up. The FSR Patient Summits are in Chicago, April 3rd through the 5th, 2020, Miami, June 26th through the 28th, and in Portland, September 11th through the 13th. And I'll be talking with Maggie Hudson in an upcoming podcast soon a little bit more about these summits and what they're all about. But uh, there used to be more national caliber events, but they were one-day events. And this year, in 2020, the foundation has decided that it was too much intake in too little time. So now they're doing fewer of them, but they're two-day events. And they're in Chicago, Miami, and Portland, and they are spread throughout the year. I think that's going to make sense for folks. And again, we'll be talking more about that. But people who attend those summits can hear from uh, doctors. They can, of course, meet other patients, which has been uh, very helpful to me. Uh, and you'll be able to hear what you can do to help fight sarcoidosis. I'd like to attend at least one of these summits this year. I'm hoping I can make that work. I, I do have a, a full-time job, and I'm uh, teaching a course at uh, Radford University. And so that can uh, put some constraints on my time. And uh, wonderful news, uh, we've got... Uh, I've got now four grandchildren, and so we spend a lot of time with them. We try to help uh, our uh, our boys and their wives with the babysitting details. So uh, there's a lot going on in, in my wonderful life, but if I can make it to one of the summits this year, I really hope to do that. Um, 
I also want to ask you to uh, share this podcast with people who would appreciate it. If they're in your sarcoidosis circle somewhere, whether they're uh, another patient, whether they're a caregiver, uh, pharmaceutical rep, uh, you know, whoever it is that you think would appreciate this, if you would share this podcast with them so we can get the word out that we're talking about sarcoidosis here on the Sark Fighter podcast, I think it will help the whole uh, game uh, improve. I think more people know about it. I, hopefully the fundraising will be better. Hopefully, therefore, the research will be better. And hopefully we can work towards uh, better and more effective uh, medicines and protocols. I would also invite you to check out my blog, which is Carlin the Cyclist. Uh, maybe you're not a biker. Maybe you are. But I write about bicycling with sarcoidosis and some of the challenges that I've faced there, uh, in particular dealing with chemotherapy, prednisone, and some of those issues. Uh, there'll be a link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, just hoping maybe uh, I can connect with some other people who like to ride bikes. And, and uh, we have, I live in a beautiful place to do that in the mountains of Southwest Virginia. Uh, but, uh, but sarcoidosis has curtailed that greatly. At any rate, um, that may be something that you want to check out. If you're new to the sarcoidosis podcast here, I interviewed Dr. Simon Hart of the UK in episode two. You might want to listen to that back episode, no matter when you're listening to it. I think it'll still be relevant. As I mentioned, soon I'll be interviewing Maggie Hudson, who is the communications person with FSR, and she'll be talking a little bit more about the organization and what they're trying to accomplish, and their website is, is an amazing resource, whether you're looking for a doctor or an event or information. Uh, I think FSR is, is where you want to go. And, and, and so anyway, that's coming up soon. And remember to send me your stories so I can share them with listeners. If you want to be interviewed, let me know at sarkfighter at gmail.com. If you have a suggestion for a topic or a person, please send that on. And right now, my plan is to release a new podcast every other Monday at 6 o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, or Daylight Saving Time, as, as it may be, depending upon the season. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Sark Fighter podcast. Until next time, keep on fighting. Thank you.